First Church Charlotte. Praise the Lord, everyone. That was a poor, sh- poor showing there. Praise the Lord, everyone. Ah, I like it. I like it. I like it. Special thank you to our team that leads us in worship. Uh, they do an amazing job. If you if you don't if you don't know who they are, that's J Mac on the keys, Pedro from C three, Concord Congregation, Ed the bass man right there, and that's Don Dunn did it right there. Now, I'm P Nate. Glad to be here. Lord, would you speak into this service, oh God? We're so honored to be here in your presence, and I, I love these people. I'm so blessed to do life and ministry with all of them. I don't want to just give them knowledge today. I want the knowledge to get in them. I want the knowledge to inspire them. Spirit in, inspire, inspire them. Fill them with spirit. Fill them with hope. It's a complex generation. It's a complex moment in history. But with you, all that complexity, all that anxiety can be transformed into hope, faith, worship. And that's what we desire to have happen in the service here today. Whoever's joining us anywhere in our platforms that we stream to, I pray the place where they're watching, their living room, their kitchen, they might still be in the bed. Let that be a place of connection with your spirit, Lord. It would be better if they were in a house full of praise. I think they'd be the first ones to admit that. But isolation does not have to mean your presence is not there in the room. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Let some church folks say in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you put your hands together one more time and give God a hand clap of praise. I am preaching a reality of our generation, a reality of this moment in uh, our respective lives, circumstances of our society. Uh, My title is The Crushed Spirit, and I don't have that title to make anyone feel heaviness or despair, but to open your understanding to the ministry moment that is available uh, to believers. Uh, The greater the darkness, the brighter the light. No amount of darkness can overcome a single candle. And so, although we must see the reality of this moment in time and the darkness of this hour and generation, we must also be aware that the crushing of the hearts and minds of people far from God is a ministry opportunity, not just another sad story. Think of the individuals you love, the person who is in the greatest want, the greatest need, the greatest brokenness. Think of your family and friends, your neighbors, 
the saddest story, the most broken heart, uh, is not simply a desert of desolation. It is a ministry opportunity. I want you to say it with me. It's a ministry opportunity. Or let me say it this way. God would like to do something in your world. The wind would like to blow in your society, in your family, in your friends, in your neighborhood. Let it happen through us and to us in Jesus' name. I'm reading from uh, the chapter of Proverbs 15, verse number 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow... The heart of the spirit is broken, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. A merry heart, it's not going to camouflage itself. It's going to show in your world. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, Uh, but the converse of that, by sorrow, the heart, by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. What do I mean, my brothers and sisters, by a crushed spirit? Uh, I would describe it for this uh, teaching, for this moment, I would describe it in the following way. When you, your coping mechanism is no longer how you cope or what you do, but it is now who you are and how you're known. You're not simply having a bad month. It's who you are. Jesus stands over the man by the pool of Bethesda, and he says, or was the pool of Siloam, <laughs> he says to him this question, wilt thou be made whole? You've been here long enough that you're a professional pool watcher. You've been here long enough that this is a place for com- of comfort for you. It is now a safe place for you. But miracles aren't usually found in the safest of places. Miracles are about pushing past resistance in your life. Miracles are about refusing the lies of your own fear and the enemy of your soul. Some of us have gotten so comfortable listening to the whispers of the enemy that we think it's us talking to ourselves, And it's the defeating voice of the enemy making sure we never get to the water of the miraculous. We never touch the pool of the miracle and God visits us. Jesus stands over us and he does not ask, why are you still here? He asks, wilt thou be made whole? If you aren't hungry for something, if you aren't passionate for something, am I preaching to the right church here today? Y'all gonna work with me? If I don't want it, I can hardly blame myself for leaving without it. If I am not hungry for it, I can hardly blame the worship team for me leaving without it. If I'm not passionate, I can hardly blame the preacher for me not leaving with or leaving the same way I came. Let me preach to you here today. When you get hungry, it's as though heaven sees the vulnerability of your spirit when you're ready to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, I'm not going to rip my voice out for you today. If y'all want teaching, I'll give you teaching. 
I know what you think. Well, my God, it's a depressing subject and you want us to shout. Stay with me. All of us will be crushed because we cannot be a solution for ourselves. And in the absence of a solution, our spirits are crushed. In the absence of the ability to solve it, we come to the end of ourselves. All of us will be crushed. Jesus was crushed. Gethsemane, the word itself means the place of crushing. And we all have difficulty to understand with the very deep, stay with me, very conflicting, confusing, powerful, sometimes warring impulses and feelings that roll through our heart. And we feel like we're being torn asunder by conflicting desires. On one hand, I want to be used of God. On the other hand, there's this whole imaginary life that lives in me when I let my mind go. And we feel as though I haven't a solution to this. It's just a simple reality that I am filled with voices. But here's the problem of the voices within you. They move back and forth on the very, as it were, reality of your soul, and they leave you knowing that what you have is not enough to ever complete you. You need more than what you have. You were made, as the philosopher said, uh, with a God-sized hole right in the middle of your being. I was watching a podcast on YouTube here recently, and an unbelieving atheist was saying, I do not believe in God, but let me tell you what I do believe in. I do believe in the God-shaped hole within us. You have to find or make or invent a God for the God-shaped hole inside of you. And I found myself yelling back at the screen. I'm supposed to be relaxing. I'm yelling back at the screen. Now, let me get this right. God didn't make you, but you're going to make God. You're going to understand what you don't understand. You're going to have an answer for that part of you where you don't have an answer. He said, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in a God-shaped hole within us. I wanted to say to him, okay, you don't believe in God anymore, but you sure do miss him. The inability to make ourselves whole is a crushing experience. And as we live through the seasons and context of our life, we will be crushed over and over again with the point of having us look for an answer that is beyond us. By its very nature, it is beyond us. If it was something we comprehended, we would not need it. We would be it. But because we can't be all that we feel in our soul, we are left with emptiness and this complexity of an inner life. And here we are, a community of faith and a community of people that are living in the crushing experience of a complex inner life. What is wrong with me? Why do I want that which I know will destroy me? Why is it that a drug makes me like myself? Why is it that alcohol makes my emptiness less painful? Why is it that a hobby 
has to always be distracting me. Like, have you ever seen one of those big fancy bass lures they go bass fishing with? They've got the craziest contraptions on their things, spinning and flapping and wiggling and buzzing, and those fish are laying there until this buzz bait comes by. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I just got to have that. And they end up in the live well, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Hobbies in our life, distractions, if I just can make it to the next vacation I have planned. Once I am out of this role at work and once they put me in another division, then and then and then, but then is never enough because then becomes now and now is another way of telling yourself you're not complete. You need something you do not have. And here the church is placed in a society of crushed hearts, a society that is not just broken in the sense of bad things happening to them. Yes, bad things happen. Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. I just wanted to encourage you today. So go forth, thou art encouraged uh, and uh, have the joy of your salvation upon you. Uh, I'm not simply saying that life is hard. Sure, life is hard. Why? We're mortal. We live in a zero-sum fallen world where it is ruled by scarcity, not abundance. So everything is difficult. Everything is contested. There's no $100 bills laying on any street corners for you to go pick up. You have to add value, and society says, yeah, that was worth $100, and they give you. If you don't know how to get $100, learn how to add more value, and then you won't have to try to fight for it or steal it. Because a society would be like, yeah, you got the solution here. Can I give you my money already? You let someone have one night without air conditioning, they are ready to give you their money. (laughs) You let them have one early morning in the winter without hot water, they are ready to give you some money. My God, come take my money right now. What do you mean there's a seven-day wait for a technician? I want you to see that it isn't just tough times that crushes us. Of course, life has tough times. It is the lived experience in every season of our life. Whether we're young, do I fit? Do I fit? Do I fit? Do they like me? Do they not like me? Will they accept me? Will they not accept me? And to your young adult, will I ever find someone? Is there some type of crazy out there that fits well with my crazy? I've come across a good bit of crazy that doesn't mesh well with my crazy. I need some crazy that meshes well with my crazy so we can be crazy together. But it'd be like we're good for each other because there's tons of bad for each other out there. Don't have time to preach that. Besides, I'm going to have to put that in a series. You're going to need more help than I can give you just in a little quick saying. Uh, is You go into the early, is, am I enough? Am I alone? Why did they leave me? Why did she leave me? Why did he break up with me? Why do I have to do something I don't want to do in order to feel loved? Life crushes us. In the middle years, I'm just a wallet with legs. Nobody really cares. I could get hit by seven trucks, and as long as they had Wi-Fi, they'd be good with it. Some of our kids are going to get to, yes, speak, my sister. Some of us are going to get to heaven. The first thing our kids are going to want to be, St. Peter, what's the Wi-Fi password? (laughs) We don't have Wi-Fi. Oh, do they have it down there? (laughs) 
every process of life is like a crushing wheel. And in some way, it is always reminding us that we need more. We need more. We need more. When you're struggling to survive, no one will ever ask you how you feel. Why? (laughs) Did you eat? But just as, as though Maslow's hierarchy of needs, watch, once you have food, now you think about comfort. Once you have comfort, you think about, what is it, acceptance or community. Uh, Once you have acceptance or community, what do you think about? The actualization, meaning in life, purpose. You're never satisfied. This is heaven's way of saying, you need to humble yourself and surrender to your creator that you might be whole, spiritually rejoined to the one who said, let there be, and there was. The one who breathed into you the breath of life and you became a living soul. Watch this. Uh, There is so much in the scripture. If you were to look at this, you could just take one passage. Like, for example, take one of the Psalms um, and... Well, well, I'll tell you what, for time's sake, let me edit this on the fly because I'm not doing good in time. A crushed spirit can have a very physical aspect to it. Um, this is where uh, the writer says, uh, chapter 14, verse 30, um, a tranquil mind gives life to the flesh, but passion makes the bones rot. There's a physical consequence to a crushed spirit. A crushed spirit can have an emotional or relational aspect. Here's the first proverb, same list. An anxious heart, this is all proverbs, by the way. An anxious heart weighs a man down. That's synonymous with a crushed spirit. It literally feels as though you are sinking. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. There is a moral aspect to this crushing. Uh, This is uh, the the passage. Um, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. A crushed spirit has an existential aspect. That is a fancy philosophical word that basically means this. Why am I here and do I matter? Existential, the very answers, answering the questions that are asked by your very existence. Here is another Proverbs. Even in laughter, the heart is sad, and the end of joy is grief. And uh, what are we saying? Even when you're laughing, there can be a heaviness in our spirit. A crushed spirit can have a faith aspect to it. Uh, In other words, a heartache crushes your spirit. We read that together. For most of my Christian life, I have thought of that passage that is in the book of Isaiah that goes like this. By his stripes. How many of you know this, what I'm talking about? Raise your hand real quick. I want you to say it real loud with me. By his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Uh, I have quoted that scripture when praying for people more than any other passage as you would expect. It is one of the great themes of thanksgiving to God for his gift of healing in our life. 
Uh, however, I want you to uh, note that nowhere in the Bible is blood shown as necessary for healing. There is no place in the Bible where there is, in some context, a sacrifice made and then someone receives their healing. Uh, nowhere does an author, a teacher, an epistle, an apostle, uh, in some way uh, connote sacrifice uh, to healing. And yet Isaiah says, by his stripes, we are healed. Uh, if you, however, go to the New Testament, you'll find passages where uh, it's more than, more than just not saying healing is somehow uh, conditional upon the shedding of blood. But the book of James chapter 5 affirms that the foundation of physical healing is faith, not, not uh, blood. And yet we have in our life uh, blood applied through uh, the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is Isaiah saying and what does this have to do with the crushed spirit? I believe the most important healing you can have in your life is the spirit within you that is made whole, not the body in which you temporarily live. I'm so thankful for every physical healing I have received. I am a, I am a cancer survivor. I, I know what it is to be desperately sick. I know what it is to uh, thank God I haven't felt this way in a long, long time. And if I could forget, I would. But I, I, I know what it feels like to kind of give up inside because life's just not that good. You're so miserable and sick. You start getting weak and you start, uh, if, you know, if this is it, then, you know, uh, pain can have that effect upon you. Uh, misery can have that effect upon you. Now, as a friend, a brother, a pastor, I'm going to encourage you to be strong. I'm going to encourage you to fight. And if any of you are going through sickness right now, I want you to know you are not alone. The Lord will be with you in your times of suffering and misery. And if you can't always feel him, I want to encourage you to get some praise music playing in your house. It doesn't have to be loud, and it doesn't have to be rhythmic. It can be quiet, whatever fits your mood. But if you feel like you're all alone, I want you to get a song in your heart, and I want you to sing that song into the silence of your current struggle and your current difficulty. Put a song in your... Does anybody know what I'm preaching about here today? I'm thankful for every time I have received physical healing, but Isaiah makes me think that the most important healing is not when God touches the headache that can, found like, can feel like someone's pounding through your brain with a hammer. I, I thank God for that healing, but that's not the best. Are you ready for this? Uh, if you have pain in your body, it can be terrible and miserable, and I thank God for the relief that can come, but there's something more important than anything that happens in your body, and that is this. Your own set of expectations for your life has crushed you. Yes. Nobody ends up as an addict and thinks to themselves, this is who I always wanted to be. No mother ever bounces a baby on her knee and says, I hope my child grows up to have to work as a prostitute. Nobody planned to end up in the mess their life is at. No no one got up and said, you know, I just choose to be miserable, but life happens and uh, decisions in uh, as early as elementary and middle school, decisions they didn't even make for themselves. The 
people their parents were and the creepy uncle who lived in the house for two years. Everybody has a creepy uncle. Don't try to figure out who my creepy uncle is, but everybody has a creepy uncle. It might have been your second cousin, and you know in the house you were poor, you had to live that way, and you lived through it, and many of you have never mentioned it. Many, many people have never mentioned it, but you've never had an interview since that time where walking in that interview, all of that pain wasn't somehow programmed in your experience. You were crushed, you were crushed, you were crushed. You made decisions in your teenage years, and your family did not have a redemption culture. What they had was a label culture. And so you spent your early adulthood with a label placed on you. And you wonder, oh, I wish I, if I, I, if I'm preaching to somebody and you're a living, walking witness, I want you to stand up right now. I want you to lift a hand and say, I'm a witness. I'm a witness. You were labeled. You were marked. Hell thought that's all it needed to do to you. Hell thought they could throw a party because you were finished at about that time when you were so crushed. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if you can handle this, but here it comes. Just about the time hell thinks it's over. Here comes the blood. You're never going to outgrow this label. You're never going to put off this identity. Your family is always going to be a glass ceiling in your life. You're never going to be good at tests. You never had confidence put in you. This glass ceiling has limited you. And all hell says, that's enough for you. Let's move on. And it must have been the blood. You may be seated. I intend to preach two or three more hours. Just about the time your story was written and your enemy was about to put a great big period at the end of the story. The blood began to flow in your life. And you realize because of the blood, your identity did not come from other people. And the spirit that was crushed within you, rather than surrendering only to the crushing, surrendered to the crushing. And out of the crushing flows the anointing oil. Here at Gethsemane, where even Jesus is crushed, is a place of crushing, but it's also a place strong with the smell of olive oil that flows out of the crushing. You know how the kingdom of heaven is different than the kingdom of men, the kingdoms of men and of this world and of the flesh? Is that crushing is the end of the story, but in the kingdom of God, when you are crushed, you are not defeated. You're just available. When you're crushed, you're not ended. You're just prepared. When you're crushed, it's not a period at the end of your sentence. It's just a comma in God saying what comes next. Because of the blood, everything that was supposed to destroy you, 
I am committed, as are the staff of our church, the pastoral team of our church, to being a house of healing. There's a big difference in a hospital and a health club. They both have places, they both have people that need work. But the purpose is change. A hospital is a place for sick people. And you'll notice there's almost no mirrors in hospitals. I don't know if you've noticed that. There's almost no mirrors in hospitals. But every flat space in a gym has mirrors. I've been to churches that were health clubs. Look how good I am. I am so holy. My guardian angel asked me for advice last night. I am so churchified. No, what you are is chicken fat. It's different. I am so churchified. I don't know where chicken fat came from. It's a southern thing. Deal with it. Be mad at me. There's churches that don't talk about chicken fat. You can find one of them. I don't want to be a church where the attention is on us. I want to be a church where everybody is being taken to him. Everybody's taken to him. How do we do that? Well, here at First Church, it goes like this. Our goal is to get lost people saved. Save people pastored. Life change happens in context of relationships. You need mentors, brothers and sisters. You need connection with other people, other gifts. You need a ministry team in your life. You need small groups. You need fellowship. We want to get lost people saved, saved people pastored, pastored people equipped. This is a mission. And so when you give your heart to God and God gets you out of Egypt, now you're going to be pastored. That's God getting Egypt out of you. Now you are equipped for a purpose. This is a promised land. That's where you belong. I want you to go do this. You're equipped. And equipped people sent. Stand at the bank of Chile, Jordan and say, we are well able to take this land. Sent. So one, one of the things we're doing uh, going into the fall is we're using the Celebrate model that's been so effective with our Celebrate Recovery, where what you have is a core church ministry that it functions almost, watch this, almost like a support group that helps people specifically attack the strongholds in their life. Uh, Celebrate Recovery helps people trying to get through anything that is more than, uh, it actually has this uh, damaging effect upon them. A hang up, uh, addiction is really what it's known for the most. There's all kinds of addiction. Uh, Celebrate Recovery. But we take that into a spiritual realm and we're going to do a ministry called, so we have Celebrate Recovery. Uh, We're going to do a ministry called Celebrate Freedom. And freedom is about you dealing with your yesterdays. You forgiving the people because that heart of rage is destroying you. You overcoming what happened to you. You forgiving the people who did you wrong. This is Celebrate Freedom. So we have Celebrate Recovery, Celebrate Freedom. The second one is going to be Celebrate Family. So... 
That's you women quit beating up your husband. That's parenting. That's I, I didn't make eye contact with my wife because I know I'm in trouble. Um, marriage and parenting. Marriage and parenting. That's family. Marriage and parenting. Uh, and the final one that's going to be a core ministry of our church in the Celebrate model is going to be Celebrate Flourishing. And this is discovering your spiritual gifts and callings and including in that your prospering in your gifts, your business, your your work, uh, your career, your education. These four core ministries, you'll be hearing more about this. I just want to introduce you to it, are going to function not just as Sunday blessings, but communities of support, communities of faith, communities of embrace in these core church ministry areas. You're going to have an opportunity to have on a regular schedule uh, specific Bible studies and, uh, that are either virtual or in person. You're going to have the opportunity to be a part of specific events that happen after church on Sunday when we highlight ministries. Today we're highlighting Celebrate Recovery. They are set up out front and we are promoting that. These, uh, these uh, mostly women, but a few men also, the women outnumber the men because women know they need help, and men won't stop and ask for directions if it would save the devil. A man won't ask for help. He will burn the firehouse down. They won't even have a fire truck to come rescue somebody rather than ask for help. But women, they're like, my God, I tried it. That's why women are going to heaven. Anyway, moving along. So, uh, but we're highlighting that, celebrating that, and we want to broaden this. If you look at these four areas, the vast majority of people who are open to coming back to church, coming back to faith, are having difficulty and trauma in one of those four areas. One of those four areas. That encompasses the biggest group of people coming back to coming back to God or starting a life of faith. Why do I tell you that? Because this is the work, the pastoral, ministerial, transformational work of the body of Christ in a community. Almost no one comes to church, walks on the back door and says, is there anybody here that will argue theology with me? I came to argue theology. I'm not going to be happy if we don't have an argument about the seventh curse in the third chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. (laughs) Nobody does that. They come in here and their marriage is failing. They come in here and they're broke. They come in here and you get the idea. They're crushed. They need to overcome. And we are dedicating wings of this hospital to specialize. (laughs) Celebrate recovery. Celebrate freedom. You can think of freedom as spiritual healing, but it's intentionally vague because the vast range of human need is so broad that we have to be able to wrap our arms around people from tremendously different circumstances. And then celebrate family and celebrate flourishing. It is God's will that this church does not just uh, uh, do good at attracting people. And it's not just God's will that we do good with connecting with people. The Lord 
has given us an opportunity to have tons of first-time guests, and we're thankful for the blessing he has given us as far as attraction. We're thankful, very, very thankful for the success that First Steps has been of making friends with people, getting to know people. But we have to go beyond attraction and connection. We have to see transformation. There can't be a wilderness after first steps where people don't know where to go and how to get help. And so we are committing to this house being a house where we say this to people. We want God to heal you, yes. We want God to bless you, yes. We will help you with all of that. But let me tell you what comes first. The spirit that has been crushed within you must be restored by the power of God. Heaven is not done with you. Your mission is not complete. Better things are ahead in Jesus' name. Yes, I'm preaching today as our musicians come. God can and does heal us miraculously. But the blood was shed not for your physical healing. There was no need for blood to be shed for physical healing. The blood was not shed so you could get over your headache. There's no necessity of covering blood for a headache. The blood was shed. So when you sat in the house of God and the enemy whispered in your heart that there's no need to try again, there's no need to open your heart again, there's no need to try to connect with other believers, you could receive this hope. God died so you would have hope that there's a new tomorrow. The blood was so the altar could be filled with people. The blood was so you could overcome the stuff that happened to you the summer you turned 13. The blood was so, in spite of the culture, the limits, the cultural limits that your own family placed on you, they did better than their parents, or maybe they didn't, but you don't have to live under the oppressive limits, the generational curse, don't have time to preach on that, of how people develop self-defeating behaviors as a way of solving something they don't even know that's wrong. (laughs) The blood means... He can make all things new. Yes, sir. Stand with me all across the house. Oh, Lord Jesus, we call upon you today. I pray that the individual who has uh, received this word and faith is rising within them, I pray that they would be open to surrendering to you. On the other side of crushing uh, is the anointing, yes. But what happens between the crushing and the flowing of anointing is the surrender. It is the example of Gethsemane where you pray, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I have to give this stuff, this pain, this brokenness, I have to give it to you. As long as I'm holding it back, it's limiting the healing that can happen. It's limiting the anointing that can flow. Lord Jesus, I pray for every believer in this house. I pray for every visitor in this house. I pray for everyone watching, uh, perhaps uh, through media. I pray that we would be sensitive to the fact that the blood was not for physical healing. It was for spiritual healing. And we have hope in the promises of God. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to challenge all of you today who are here, and I, I, have, I have peaked within you an interest to 
give your heart to God in a way this week that perhaps last week you didn't think about. I would like you to take this first day of the week, this Sunday, this Lord's Day, first day of the week, and I'd like you to dedicate this week to come to the Lord. That's the whole point of meeting on Sunday. We give God this week. So I'm going to pray and you'll follow my, the theme of my prayer with your own words, if you will. Lord Jesus, we give you this week. Your version, your words, you pray that prayer right now. Lord, we give you. We give you this week. I don't know what all is going to come. I don't know what all is going to face me. I don't know if it's going to be predominantly good or bad, but I give it to you, Lord Jesus. I look heavenward. I choose to see my answer in you. I choose to see my best life in you. I turn away from sin. Let's, 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 let's make this commitment, church. I, I turn away from sin, and I ask that you would work powerfully in our midst, oh God. I pray that you would lead mightily among us, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would direct us. I pray, oh God, that we would have a strength to turn away from sin. I pray that we would have the confidence to let our heart be corrected. Let our spirits be convicted to turn away from sin. There is a self-deception in sin. We think that makes us happy, but oftentimes it's, it's like a drug. It makes us happy for a moment, and then what's on the other side is worse than anything we've gone through before. God, we repent of our sins. We repent of the life of the flesh. Perhaps we indulged in this even as recently as this past week, and today we turn our hearts toward you. We confess you as our Lord. We confess you as the one who can redeem us of our sins. And we confess that if we have victory this week, it's going to come through your power. And so we call upon you to work in our life today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.